Gus Bradley has done some outstanding things for the Colts defense, but some things are going to have to change going into next season. Let's get to it. You are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's up? Thanks for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. This is your daily podcast covering your Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the show. Welcome to Narnia. Uh, it is not it's not good outside. Zach, I don't know what the mid-Atlantic is like right now, but the Midwest is we're going through it. Uh, it sucks outside. So oh yeah, again, no, welcome we got, to Narnia. Yeah, we got a couple inches of snow outside too, some ice and and some wind. So I think it's the whole country is getting hit by it right now. So uh yeah, no, welcome to Narnia is a good way to describe it, but <laughs> Uh, we're going to have some fun today, guys. We're going to talk about the wonderful topic that is Gus Bradley. I know that the opinions are all over the place on Colts defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. I know some of y'all want him fired as of right now. Like you just want him, you want to kick him to the curb and and go get some flashier name. I know some of you guys think he did a better job than what the stats say last year. So today we're going to tackle the entire topic that is Gus Bradley. But starting off with some good, I mean, Jake, you got some some stats in here that show that Gus Bradley's defense wasn't all bad last year. Again, I know some people will say that it was all bad, but uh, some stats here actually do point to some positive progressive progression for this defense uh, in 2023 under Gus Bradley. Yeah, for sure. First, wanted to just kind of mention where certain places had the defense overall, like um, just as a whole, because you can get in a lot of different things and rushing and, and passing and things like that. Uh, but overall, defensively, they ranked 24th in the league. Nuts, obviously not where you want to be. Uh, DVOA, which a lot of people take a lot of stock in. Uh, they were 20th there at 2.6% uh, or at 2.6. Uh, their pro football focus overall defensive grade was 22nd with a 71. And then scoring overall, which is, again, a, a hard metric. Uh, 28th overall at 24.4 points per game. So those things overall were really not great. Uh, You're starting a, the good segment with these. Come on, Jake. You got. Well, I, I had I had to get <laughs> that stuff up front. I'm about to get into the good. Okay, uh, okay. But I was just about to say it was not all bad. There were some really good things to take away. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of context that goes into those poor rankings. Uh, but you look at sacks. The Colts had their their best season rushing the passer since coming to Indianapolis in 84. Uh, they finished with 51 sacks, which was fifth in the league. Again, an Indianapolis era best. Uh, Pro Football Focus had their pass rush ranking at ninth overall uh, with 79.4 grade. Again, really good for the Colts. They've been working towards those marks for years. Uh, Chris Ballard has been kind of hammering that his whole time he's been here. Uh, on third downs, they ranked 10th, which is pretty good. Uh, that's 37.1%. Uh, you look at the pass rush, and that's kind of a direct correlation, uh, kind of getting after the quarterback on third and longs where they have to pass the ball. That obviously kind of gets them off the field more often than not. 
Uh, and then opponent passer rating, which I thought I was kind of surprised by this one. It ranks 14th, which is like it's middle of the pack, but it's it's still top half of the league. Uh, 88.2 opponent passer rating average. Well, if you look at that just for one game, I think you can kind of toss it away. But when you look at it stretched over a whole season, uh, I was pleasantly surprised by that number because you look at a lot of the opposing quarterbacks. They're passing for 250, 300, 350 yards. And it just seems like they're getting gashed constantly. But when you kind of contextualize everything and boil it down to an overall body of work that opposing quarterbacks had, to be in the upper half of the league, I, I thought was promising. Yeah, yeah. And to go more context of that and kind of maybe go a little bit away from stats and talk about just my overall thoughts on what this defense did this past season, I do think there were some positive signs. I mean, starting with the pass rush, uh, you saw growth from Quiddy Pay, you saw growth from Dio Dangbo, you saw a really productive season from Samson Abukam. Uh, and then DeForest Buckner, I mean, he was he should have been an all pro this year. And maybe not an all pro, but it should have at least been a pro bowler this year. Very, very fantastic season from him. I thought the pass rush was great all year long. I know there were some games where, you know, you're not seeing the sacks production and the overall pressures were down. But we got to keep in mind that because the secondary was just not good whatsoever this season, uh, the pass rush really wasn't able to showcase what they really could do. I mean, they were fifth in pass rush win rate as a team, according to ESPN's win rate uh, status or in, uh, win rate stats on the year. So they were fifth overall across their entire defensive line. Uh, with their with their edge rush duo or their edge rush trio basically uh, being in that top six or seven of the league and uh, in, in pass rush win rate. I mean, Samson Ibukam was consistently in the top 10 all year by that stat. Uh, so I do think they were they're winning their pressures. They were creating opportunities when they could. It's just at the end of the day, if quarterbacks are getting the ball out in 2.5 seconds, like what are you going to do? It's hard to it's hard to get sacks. It's hard to get pressures and, and keep those numbers up. Uh, but really, really positive sign from from the defensive line overall. I thought the run defense was good when Grover Stewart was in there, uh, which it was a fluke that he wasn't in there for six weeks this year, which kind of brings down the overall numbers. But run defense, overall a big win for this team when Grover Stewart played. Uh, and then when we're looking at pass coverage and what they were doing in the secondary, again, not exactly what you want to see overall in terms of you know production from the back end. But when they had Julian Blackman in there, when they had Kenny Moore in there, I thought you saw a fairly diverse set of coverages that you never really see from Gus Bradley. We got to see some cover four. We got to see some cover two. Gus Bradley hit his all-time high in cover six usage this year as well. And while he still led the NFL in cover three calls, it wasn't by this astronomically high number that he always is. I mean, last year he was well above 50-something percent. Um, I know I saw recently that he still led the NFL in, co in cover three calls this year, but he was one of four teams that were over 200 calls in cover three and teams like Carolina, Seattle and San Fran were all right behind him. I mean, and one thing we got to keep in mind with cover three, too, is that's the number one coverage call for every team in the NFL. So it's not like Gus is the only one cover calling cover three. Uh, he just calls it a little bit more than other teams. But I do think he did a good job, you know, generally of mixing his coverages to try to adjust to this young secondary. And we actually saw some production from it. Early in the season, while Julian Blackman and Kenny Moore in there, they had a lot of turnovers forced uh, throughout the year until those final games without those two playmakers. Uh, they were able to keep EPA per play and overall production from passing offenses, you know, in the top 10-ish range until, again, the Stroud week at the very end of the season. So I think overall, you know, when you look at what Gus Bradley had to deal with 
in the secondary, what he had to deal with. You know, Daryl Baker Jr. starting for most of the season. Jalen Jones starting for most of the season. Shaquille Leonard was a guy that you were expecting to come back and be Shaquille Leonard, and he wasn't. So losing all of those or just starting those guys and then losing Shaquille Leonard, you know, to, to have a season where the Colts defense wasn't this abject disaster, I think is partially a win. Again, I, I don't want to praise a defense for being in the bottom half in a lot of key metrics, but also I do want to look at this as a whole and say, look, they were starting undrafted free agents at corner and seventh round picks at corner because of injuries and, and, and what, what have it. But uh, they were able to do some things to give the Colts enough chances to win games. So again, I'm not here saying that Gus Bradley's perfect and he, was the single reason why the Colts were able to stay in a lot of games. But I do think it's negligent to say that the defense was so, so awful that the Colts had to overcome everything. Like they did do some good things this year, like rushing the passer, like keeping the big plays to a minimum once they did the scheme change in week nine and, and really brought more cover four and cover two type stuff. Uh, Like being able to adjust to a lot of young corners. I do think, there were some things worth praising Gus Bradley for uh, before we get into this next segment where we talk about some of the issues and some of the things that that just need to change going forward for the Colts. Yeah. And not to stretch this, this segment too long, but I, another huge part of coaching is player development as well. I mean, people always look at statistics and like the direct product on the field, but you know, last year in his first season uh, with, with the team and everyone's, you know, getting acclimated to the system, you did, see a regression from a lot of guys at least until midway point when they kind of started click i can't really think of many people who regressed uh this year now a couple did but i think we saw a lot more progression and the fact that you were able to get guys like juju brands on the field after missing so much of the offseason and suddenly he's your top outside corner and playing like it i thought that was really positive jalen jones was a constant throughout the entire offseason end of the season uh, had a, a really strong first chunk of the season. Uh, Nick Cross continued his ascension. Uh, shoot, you, you saw EJ Speed, second year in the system, uh, absolutely growing into a player they were comfortable letting Shaquille Leonard walk uh, because of. So a lot of it, you know, the on-field product, you, you finally achieve a pass rush that you've been really looking for for years, and your players are all getting better under you. I think that's a huge feather in the cap for Bradley. Uh, but coming up, we're going to kind of talk about some of the stuff that did not go so well. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. And that's what what's the one move I can make that's going to take my business to the next level? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team that you surround yourself with. And that's why they've created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. They do have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, though, and that makes it the best place to hire. And hiring is a lot easier when you have that many qualified candidates to choose from. It's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's also why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires against their leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats right now And they may not have all the time and resources to actually do the hiring. So LinkedIn Jobs takes a big part of it off of their plate. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
and Locked On Colts listeners at Nevermore get lost in literality and experience a place filled with intricate design and immersive experiences from upscale food and spirits to music and entertainment. Nevermore will never be a predictable destination. There's 25,000 square feet of space, which which features multiple rooms. Nevermore has an elevated pub food menu and an old world style pub in the center of the space featuring classic handcrafted cocktails, draft beer, wine, and seltzers. There's also a secret passage to a hidden speakeasy bar, a rooftop terrace, uh, a game bar with classic billiards, duck pin bowling, arcade games, and much more. Visit Nevermore under the historic Union Station on South Meridian Street in Indy. Follow Nevermore Union Station on Instagram or or NevermoreUnionStation.com. Escape and explore the extraordinary at Nevermore. All right, guys, so we're talking Gus Bradley, and look, I know that I have been a Gus Bradley defender for most of the season because kind of what I said in the last segment, talking Daryl Baker Jr. starting most of the season, Jalen Jones starting most of the season, you're not going to be able to come out here in press coverage or man coverage with those guys on the outside, especially when you don't have, you know, you don't have an Earl Thomas at safety that can cover up for them. Julian Blackman's a solid player, but on the other side, you got Ronnie Thomas making mistakes. You know, Nick Cross is still going through some some learning things. So again, I I think you got to put some things in the context in terms of why they struggled on the back end. But at the end of the day, there were some issues with this defense that I had uh, some big problems with. And you're going to read all some stats here in a second, Jake. But uh, the number one thing I wanted to point out was the tackling. What happened to the tackling this season for the Colts defense? Because look, we kind of touched on this late in the season with some of our podcast episodes. And especially after that final game against Houston is you can play cover two zone and cover four zone, even cover three. You know, you can sit back in your zone coverages and you can allow them to catch balls in the flat as long as you're taking away explosives. That's perfectly fine. But if you're not coming up and making tackles, there's no point in running these these defenses. You might as well be playing man because if you can't come up and tackle the flat, you know, if every single flat pass turns into a 10-yard gain, a 20-yard gain, there's no point in playing zone coverage. So uh, you have one of the stats on here as Pro Football Focus had the tackling grade for Indy's defense at 29th in the NFL with yeah. a 36.7 grade on the year, which is just dreadful by their by their grades. That's mm-hmm. not good enough. You, no. like, you, can't, you can't be missing tackles and be a zone defense. So I don't know if that's a coaching thing or a player thing or or what, but as a coaching staff, you have to take responsibility for like, look, if – if these guys can't tackle, we can't play zone. Like it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, but really what can you play when the guys can't tackle? I know I'm, I'm kind of, you know, going all over the place here, but um, at the end of the day, you know, if you want to sit back and play softer zones to a take away the deep ball, you have to be able to come up and make tackles. And whether the players or the coaching staff was not good enough for that, you know, they were not able to make enough tackles this year to be a productive defense with their style of play. Yeah. No matter the scheme, no matter the coverage, whatever, nothing works unless you are tackling. Because yeah. otherwise, everything just gets exasperated and becomes a much bigger deal than it needed to be in the first place. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned tackling. Let's just start off with with the ground game. Uh, the Colts were 24th against the run, uh, allowing 123.8 yards per game. Uh, PFF had their run grade again as uh, 22nd with a 60, 60.4. Uh, and again, tackling, which tackling isn't just the run game. It's a passing game as well. Uh, but 29th. That's just that's not going to do it. I did want to add in there, though, this was probably one of the bigger discrepancies in the league. The Colts are actually a top 10 team in yards per carry allowed, though. Their 4.1 mark is tied for 10th. 
that their overall rushing grade is all the way down at 24th. Uh, so there were the we saw at times when the run game wasn't totally terrible. Um, obviously, that six game stretch without Grover Stewart in the middle really kind of damned their numbers a bit too because they were over 150 yards per game. Uh, but so the 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 run game wasn't what you're used to seeing from the Colts. Uh, in the red zone, they ranked in the back half. They were tied for 16th, allowing 55.8% uh, touchdowns in the red zone. Takeaways, now, they started to get better this year than they were last year, but their 24 takeaways this year, again, was tied 16th. Yeah. Uh, and then the passing game, I mentioned this earlier. This is one area where I think everyone noticed, like, okay, everyone and their mom's going to throw on the Colts. You know, the, the C.J. Stroud throwing against the Colts was going to be obvious, but you began losing faith in a, facing opponents like Aiden O'Connell, for example, uh, and the Colts were 16th against the pass. Uh, their coverage grade, according to PFF, was 21st, uh, and then yards per attempt, they were tied for 29th at 7.3 yeah. yards per attempt allowed. So there's some big areas they were really struggling, and I think if you take away that pass rush, it, it makes things a lot worse. Yeah, I think my biggest issue is when you look at the overall defense from this past season, obviously when you're looking at it from a coordinator perspective, you know, the lack of pre-snap rotations and disguising what you're going to do. Like, look, you can be a 50 something percent cover three team, but you have to at least show some too high looks pre-snap. You have to show some things. You have to rotate some things. Cause if you're giving quarterbacks the same pre-snap and post-snap read, that's making life a lot easier for these superstar quarterbacks that you're facing. And look, the Colts didn't face many superstar quarterbacks. They placed, they faced CJ Stroud twice. They faced Lamar Jackson. They played against um, Stafford early in the season as well. But outside of that, they played against a lot of backup quarterbacks, a lot of quarterbacks who are not top tier players. And they still had some struggles with these overall things. They need to do a better job next year of working in some pre-snap reads and some or pre-snap motions and, and just mixing things up on the back end with their coverages. Look at what Spagnuolo is doing with the Chiefs and seeing how a lot of his success as a defensive coordinator is moving things around pre and post snap to muddy the reads for quarterbacks. I think that's the biggest overall thing I have with a Gus Bradley defense. You have to do those type of things in order to um, really confuse quarterbacks and change things up. And then overall, again, like, I'm not fully on board with saying the Colts run this archaic type defense. We're going to talk about that in our last in our last segment. But I do think there are times where Gus Bradley leans too much on, hey, this is what we do. We're going to perfect what we do. And even if offenses know what we're doing, as long as we're good enough in our system, they can't move the ball on us. That's not good enough nowadays. These quarterbacks are so proficient in, in football nowadays. I mean, we just saw with Jim Schwartz in the playoffs with the Cleveland Browns, he's a similar mindset with a different type of scheme where we know what we do and see if you can beat us. Well, when you go against a really good quarterback who's on a heater, it doesn't matter how good you are in your scheme. You have to change things up because they're going to rip apart your scheme if they already know what you're going to do. You have to be versatile on the back end. We saw Gus Bradley get better with it, but I would have liked to see some games where you know, against C.J. Stroud, against uh, Matt Stafford, take away the middle of the field. That's where they want to go with the ball every single time they get back there. Start pinching the middle of the field, play some cover one robber and get some guys over the middle. I know that they were hampered by by overall players and stuff on the back end, but you got to be a little more aggressive with it and, and what you're trying to take away and try to take away what an offense is trying to do. You know, as a defense, you can't dictate everything. Sometimes you have to react to what the offense is doing and then take away what they want to do rather than, than just dictating everything to yourself. Uh, so that's one of the issues. And the other one was just the the, cov the blown coverages. I, I don't know what, I mean, look, 
I know they changed to a lot of cover four stuff and cover two stuff this year, but that's not like it's a new concept to a lot of these players. Uh, there were just way too many games, especially in the red zone too. Like guys were running wide open, just completely wide open. A lot of it was Jalen Jones and Rodney Thomas, but Juju Brents had a couple as well where it's like, why are these guys so open? <laughs> like there has to be some kind of communication uh, from these, from these players. And it just happened too much to where you have to put some blame on the coaching staff. Like, like, yes, there's a lot of young players in the secondary and young players are going to make mistakes. Young players are going to have communication issues. But when it's happening week after week after week, what are you telling these guys in the film room? Like, is it just going over their head or, or what, what's going on here? So I do think as a coaching staff and as players, obviously that's an area the Colts need to get better next year. Like, if your whole scheme is built around sitting back and taking away the deep ball, you can't allow some deep passes to be completed when you're having these coverage mistakes. Or if you're going to be a bend, don't break defense, you can't break in the red zone because you have coverage issues, you know, because you have coverage breakdowns and coverage lapses because of communication. Like you have to be able to not break in the red zone. And when you're allowing guys to run wide open in the red zone, you're breaking. So I do think that's a huge thing. The Colts defense needs to clean up going into next year. Yeah. And that's exactly right. I mean, we, we saw these young guys that is to be expected, the, the, you know, bumps in the road, the learning curves and everything, but it is on coaching. Like you mentioned, you, you, can't throw guys guys out there without them being prepared and whether it's confusing whether it's man or zone or like whether there's safety help up top or who's supposed to take over the assignment like those things have to get ironed out because I just don't feel like those things really used to happen a lot but we saw a lot this season and so obviously that's the difference between allowing 50 yard touchdowns with regularity or you know that that's not supposed to happen like that's not supposed to be something that happens all the time or not all the time, but you know, with consistency and it's just a defense that used to prevent a lot of that stuff. So yeah, that's going to lead us into our next segment where we're going to talk about, so what needs to change and what do the Colts need to focus on this off season in order to improve these areas? The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel America's number one sports book right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, that's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is super easy to use. And there's so many different ways to bet uh, like live, same game parlays. You can find those bets in the new explore tab, uh, make a parlay in the parlay hub. Uh, that's the best way to find the popular parlays nowadays and so much more player props, all of it. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. And guys, I know we come to sports to escape from the crazy realities of real life, but can we talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of meds right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is pretty scary, guys. Like, Don't get me wrong. Jake and I have been very sick the last couple of weeks, so we, we know exactly how it can be. Uh, I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if a loved one got sick while supply chain issue kept them from life-saving medication when they needed it. But thankfully... We'll be okay because of Jay's Medical. The Jay's case is a pack of five different medications to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinitis, uh, 
skin infections, and among others. Uh, this stuff could happen to any of us. So guys, we really need to be prepared. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. I've never been more. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use code LOCKEDON to get $20 off of your order. All right, Locked on Colts listeners, we're continuing our conversation on Colts defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. And, you know, if we did this episode a week or two ago, we would have talked about in this final segment, you know, whether Gus Bradley needs to be fired, needs to be replaced, or we would continue with him. But with Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen basically confirming that Gus will be back this next season, I think the big topic of conversation now is what needs to change for this defense in terms of personnel and coaching for them to take a next step, a next positive step going into next year. Uh, so one thing I really wanted to discuss before we dive into what the Colts need are just addressing some misconceptions about defense overall. So mini rant here from Zach Hicks, if you guys you guys know and love that here on Locked on Colts podcast. But when it comes to coverages, again, I've I touched on this a couple times on this show. Gus Bradley does, to a degree, run a bit of an antiquated style of defense where he relies a little bit more on cover three than most teams do, but it's not cover three in the sense of everyone gets to their zone and just stands there. You know, it's not what you see on Madden with the spot drone with the spot zone drops. It is cover three match. They are matching routes. They're doing a new style of defense or not a new style, but like a style of defense that every other team is doing. They're matching routes, the combination of zone and man, uh, and they're doing what most teams are doing. They're just doing cover three at a higher rate than other teams. So when I see that the Colts run, like people saying, oh, it's an outdated defense. They're running the, the you know, the Legion of Boom Seahawks defense. It's not at all true. It's it's not that defense at all. It is, you know, a mixture of that defense and today's defenses that we're seeing from like the Jets and the 49ers. It's kind of a mixture of those two things, but it's not like they're running a copy and paste version of the 2012 Seahawks Legion of Boom. That is not really a thing nowadays. So I did want to touch on that. And then also with the blitzing, I know a lot of people like to appeal to the false god of blitzing and thinking that whenever we're not getting pr enough pressures, just blitz and everything's perfect. But again, when you have Daryl Baker Jr. and Jalen Jones as your top corners covering up, you know, Nico Collins, who was a superstar receiver this year, covering up even guys like Calvin Ridley and DeAndre Hopkins, that's risky to put them on an island one-on-one -on -one and just have the jump, the jump balls and, and the quick inside releases with no help. Uh, so it, it's tough to blitz with guys like that. Uh, so when people say like, oh, the easy answer is play a more modern defense and blitz more, those aren't just quick fixes to what we're looking at here. I think at the end of the day, they need better personnel. And, and there are areas that Gus Bradley needs to get better in. Like he needs to get better at the at the pre-snap adjustments at, at moving things around pre and post snap to confuse quarterbacks. He can stand to improve more on how much cover three he runs, you know, get some more quarters in there still uh, rely a little bit more on cover six. They were actually one of the better cover six teams in football this year. They only ran it less than a hundred times, but it was really effective when they did run it. Uh, but I do think at the end of the day, the biggest thing is just personnel. I mean, they, they had the defensive line. They had the pass rushers to be productive. They got two linebackers that are good in run defense. You probably need another coverage linebacker. Uh, but in the secondary, they just need better personnel. They need Juju Brents to stay healthy. They need another corner they can rely on. They need safeties that can make plays and be reliable communicators. I don't know if they have that right now. So free agency in the draft is going to be big. But I, I don't think this is such an easy answer to where 
oh, blitz more and and play more man coverage and play more press. And now everything's fixed, Jake. So I, that's kind of what I wanted to rant on here. I don't think that it's really a case of an antiquated defense too much. I just think it's, you know, the coverage needs to be tweaked a little bit. The coaching needs to be tweaked a little bit. But overall, the personnel needs to be better. They need to tackle better. They need better corners and better safeties. And I think we'll see a big improvement from this defense next year. Yeah, that's kind of what I came away with. You know, what? When I look at past defenses, there were things schematically where I just like pulled my hair out and said, "Why'd you do this?" I don't, like I don't see a lot of that with with this, and I, I think you look at personnel as, as a big part of it. Like you see breakdowns on the field between players, or just kind. Of, I don't want to say being stuck because everyone's earned their way to the NFL, but like when you when you're down to like your fifth and sixth corners and stuff, what do you expect? Mm-hmm. And so you you just have to kind of enrich the pool essentially. And like you mentioned, whether that's day two picks with some guys in the secondary, maybe even day one, who who knows what they want to do. They're kind of in an advantageous spot to finally be able to go best player available again. Um, I'm very interested to see what they do, though, because I know they like the guys they have. They like Dallas Flowers. They're going to count on him to come back. They like Juju Brents, obviously, but he has shown that he isn't always available. Uh, Jalen Jones has his limitations. Nick Cross, you know, got on the field some. But, I mean, at some point you're just going to have to, like, add even more to it and and let the best man win because injuries are always going to happen. And when you're stuck with your third, fourth, fifth, sixth corners, how good are they? Or were they better than they were the year before? Uh, I I think you're just going to have to add guys like that. And you mentioned linebackers as well and and things in coverage. Look at what Bobby O'Karake did for the the Giants this season. That was the Colts' best coverage linebacker. And – Meanwhile, the Colts linebackers did have a very good year. You're right, where there was just always something missing in the middle of the defense. Ever since Shaquille Leonard stopped being Shaquille Leonard, you kind of been missing that from your your linebackers in the middle. So I think that'd be a, a good place to start. You just need you need more um playmakers i can't think they need more yeah, playmakers I, like i, I mean the that's really what it is, is that, yeah yeah like, like that's that's what it is at the end of the day like julian blackman kenny moore played some good football this year and they made some plays on the ball but they don't have that playmaker like who is that go like that that just bona fide playmaker you know the offense is driving down the field uh they need a touchdown to beat you who's going to make that play for your defense who, who's going to make it on this team for years it was shaquille leonard they had Shaquille Leonard. And I know this is a very tough thing to ask of someone to go get, like, go get me a, a top tier defensive player who's going to make plays in the ball. But that's what defenses need nowadays. You need that guy who is your closer on, on defense. And they don't have that right now. So I do think they need to find some way to bring it in, whether it's a draft pick or a free agent or, I don't know, relying on Kenny Moore to keep doing it and Julian Black and whatever it's going to be. Uh, but I do think that is a big thing missing. But, but overall, I do think, again, this scheme can work in the NFL that just need more personnel adjustments, especially on the back end. I do think there are some changes that Gus Bradley can make. I don't think he's a terrible coordinator by any means. I think he did an admirable job this year, but there needs to be a next positive step next year with hopefully an upgrade in personnel. If that upgrade doesn't come in terms of, you know, coaching next year and and you don't see the positive step, then we can talk about firing him next season. But as of right now, Gus Bradley will be back. Hopefully they can give him some more personnel in that secondary and we can see some positive adjustments 
from this Colts defense in 2024. Before we go today, guys, remember to check out the Locked On Sports Today YouTube channel, which is the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. And if you guys don't already, make sure you're following at Locked On Colts, at Jake Arthur NFL, and at Zach Hicks 2 all on X. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We love your guys' ratings and reviews, and we'll check you guys back here bright and early tomorrow morning.